please stand for the call to worship. O Holy One, you are our God. We will exalt you and praise your name. For you have done wonderful things. Transform the whole, faithful and sure. You have been a stronghold to the poor. You subdue the noise of violence and hatred. And the chain of fire subdues the heat. O Holy One, you are God. We will exalt you. We praise your loving name. Our hymn is 425, not as noted in the bulletin, 425. May we, may we worship God. Dr. Kelly is away today, so I've been asked to uh, do the welcoming, uh, and I'm more than glad to do that, especially on this day when we see uh, folks here um, celebrating not only the worship of God, but also Father's Day. It is a, uh, it's a great day to have families and, and uh, friends uh, together to uh, celebrate that. For those of us who are blessed to uh, be fathers, uh, we are grateful for this day. Um, I know also that all of us have been fathered, uh, and so we're grateful in turn. I, for one, uh, 
sort of recall my dad who was uh, in a lineage of sacred harp singers uh, and song leaders. My granddad and my great granddad were all sacred harp leaders down in central Georgia. So uh, that first hymn kind of, uh, yeah, that, that, that goes pretty well uh, with us on, uh, on this day. So we do want to welcome you all here to Southside Baptist. If you are with us today, uh, have not been with us much recently, we want you to know, of course, that we are, are a church that is both loving and welcoming. We are an inclusive community of grace in, indeed for this community and for uh, the wider community of Christendom. And we ask that all uh, come here and know that we are welcomed in the spirit of Christ and the love of the Lord. Um, also, uh, if you will, there are little blue, uh, little blue, uh, uh, what you call it's there, thank you, uh, right, tablets or whatever, sorry, folders, yeah, you can tell I'm not used to this part, am I? You know, I didn't rehearse this part. Uh, <laughs> if you will sign in, we'd love to have a record of your presence, we promise not to spam you or, or make undue, you know, uh, uh, unknown phone calls, which we know that you probably won't answer. Uh, if you see that unknown name come up on the on your cell phone, uh, nonetheless, if you would sign in, we would love to have a record of your presence to know that you were here today with us, uh, whether you are a regular uh, uh, person with us or uh, a visitor, especially. Another of the points that we would make is that um, we like to take a moment to greet one another uh, in passing the peace uh, of of God and Christ with one another. So if you'll take just a moment to uh, stand and greet one another here, uh, let's, let's do that now. This is the part I have rehearsed, uh, <laughs> uh, or that I am normally doing, and uh, that is uh, moving towards the invocation. But before so, I want to uh, make a couple of quick remarks about uh, the, the versions of the hymns that we're going to do today. Obviously, our introit was, was one that uh, referred to the Rock of Ages. Um, it is one of those phrases that is part of, of, of how we have uh, understood ourselves in, in the Christian faith. And I'm looking forward to uh, Dr. Roxborough explaining, uh, as I tried to, to the choir, what cleft means uh, or something like that. But maybe it's not, okay, we're, we, we won't go there. Everybody can Google that while, while I'm talking. Um, seriously, though, there are versions of this tune that are done. Um, interestingly enough, our present hymnal does not have Rock of Ages left for me in it. So we have printed it in the worship order for you. Uh, words, we figure that you know the Top Lady tune, that is the, the tune that we normally would sing in American churches, or many times in American churches. Uh, and so we'll do that in just a few moments. Uh, and that's the tune that you see there printed for you as well. Uh, some of the words are a little bit different. I, it's been an interesting uh, bit of research in hymnology for me that uh, uh, we're used to saying wounded instead of riven and things, but these are the original words, uh, and um, uh, so we'll, we'll go with it as, it's, as it was printed in the hymnal that we had just before this one, which is uh, uh, these words uh, by Augustus Toplady. Uh, another point that we'd make is that the anthem is the tune called Redhead, which is arranged by Lloyd Larson, uh, and it is the tune that is most often done in in the UK. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, we will be able to inspire Dr. Roxborough even further uh, by singing another version of, uh, of the 
rock of ages uh, to a tune that, with which he may be more familiar. But if you want to sing along, that's okay too. Uh, fine. And our soloist, whose name I sadly left out of the uh, uh, the bulletin, is Mallory Bubbit. She will be the soloist for that anthem when the anthem time comes. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer, shall we? We thank you, our Father, Mother, Creator of all, for this day that we may come together and both celebrate those who have helped us, who have nurtured us, but also to know that it is our mission to pass it forward, that those gifts that we are given, we should pass along to others, whether it be from a father or a mother or whoever, that you have given us a gift of life that we can share in Christian love and brotherhood and sisterhood throughout the world. As we go through this hour, help us to know that you are our foundation and that you are our inspiration. We, we pray this in the name of the rock that is higher than I, Jesus Christ. Amen. I direct you to here. May we stand. For those of you who are visiting, uh, let me explain that during the month of July, we are taking scripture and a hymn and allowing each to help us to understand what the hymn means and what the scripture means. And two scriptures this morning that we're going to have read publicly, uh, the second from Romans chapter 5 and the first from Psalm 61 are two passages that relate to what the hymn writer, Augustus Toplady, is writing about in this hymn. So we hear the word of the Lord for Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you are my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me abide in your tent forever. 
find refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Proclaim the life of the, prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So I will always sing praise to your name as I pay my vows day after day. Our second reading of scripture is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Would you please stand for this reading of scripture? Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that is, has been given to us. For while we are still re weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. We saw each other in Sunday school, so I'm glad to see Martin and Jack here in church. Okay, you know, God created each day, so each day is good, but this is a special day. We talked about this in our Sunday school lesson. What is, why is today a little bit extra special? What, what? It is Father's Day, and we're going to be talking. I have a special story of just for fathers, or about fathers. Now, I know you've probably seen the movie Finding Nemo. Have you seen that? Okay. And... Um, this is probably one of the best Father's Day stories you can find. In fact, this called, the book is called Best Dad in the Sea, based on the movie. Okay? And the father is Marlon. This is Marlon. He's one of the best fathers you'll ever hear about. And his son is Nemo. What kind of fish are they? Do you remember? Clownfish. Clownfish, that's right. Marlon and Nemo are clownfish. 
Okay, so when we're going to learn a little bit about Marlin and Nemo. At the beginning of the story, Marlin is the dad. His, Nemo loves his dad, Marlin, and Marlin loves Nemo. And one day, Nemo, instead of disobeying his dad, went a little far in the ocean, and he got caught. And he got taken away and put in a, a tank with other fish. This was a long way away from his home. Well, Marlin was very sad, and he wanted to search for Nemo. At first, Marlin is very afraid, but not for long. My son needs me, Marlin said, and because of Nemo, Marlin became very brave. There's a shark there. He is very brave. He, he goes by some very scary things and goes through some scary situations to rescue his son. And here, it says, Nemo hears the good news. Help is on the way. Here's how Nemo looks when he finds out that his father is looking for him. He's very happy. He's got on a happy face. He's joyful. Hmm. Yeah, he is. He really is. And at the end, mm -hmm, that picture was. And at the very end, Marlon is able to rescue Nemo. They are free. And they are together again. It says Nemo loves his dad, and his dad loves him. That was a good story, wasn't it? Of a father looking for his son and, and finding him and rescuing him. Nemo got caught because he didn't obey his dad. And Marlin faced dangers to rescue Nemo. But you know what? He never, ever gave up. And he never stopped loving Nemo, even though sometimes Nemo did things he shouldn't have done. You know what? I think your father is probably a lot like Marlon. He takes care of you. Right? He teaches you. And he loves you even when you disobey. And he loves you no matter how old you're, you will ever get. He never stops loving you. You know, who was God's son? Jesus. Mm -hmm. God loved his son Jesus very much. And Jesus loved his father. When God told Jesus, he loved him. God loves us even more than Marlon loved Nemo. He is always there to help us in good and bad times. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God wants us to come to him. He is always looking for you even when you aren't looking for him. Just like Marlon was looking for Nemo, God is always looking for us. So today as we celebrate our earthly fathers and those men who love and care about us, let us give thanks for our heavenly father who is also with us always. Okay? Can we say a prayer? Dear Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful day. We thank you for our fathers who raised us and care for us. We thank you for the men in our lives who have taught us, who have shown us and guided us also. We ask that you bless us all today, in Jesus' name, amen. join me in prayer this morning. Our gracious God, our defender, our father, when storms rage about us and cause us to be afraid, rescue us from despair, deliver us from fear. Draw close to us each day and especially be with us this day as we offer you worship and praise and present our prayers and requests to you. We confess that in our journeying day by day, we need constantly to be reminded that all around us 
in this created order that are signs of your abundant love for which we are thankful. Forgive us if at times we have looked for you in the wrong places. Forgive us if we have listened to the wrong voices. Forgive us if we have followed the wrong pathways. Touch us by your spirit and alert our beings to the wonder, the mystery of your love and to follow after you in the way that we should live our lives. We pray this morning for others. We pray for those who walk alone in life, for those who seem to feel that they must depend upon their own strength. We pray that they may discover in you their constant companion. We pray for those who struggle to cope and feel only a coldness of heart. Be to them your constant companion. We pray for us as a church that as the body of Christ, may we be to others even as Christ has been to us. Let our ministry and service know no boundaries, but be welcoming in so many different areas of our life together. Let all know that in Christ and in this place there is welcome and there is acceptance. We pray that by your Holy Spirit you might enliven your church. We pray that we might dream dreams and see visions of your kingdom being established more and more upon this earth. We pray weekly, your kingdom come. We pray it again, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We particularly pray to you for those friends and members of our human family and also of our spiritual family who are ill at this time those who are in hospital, those who are recovering from surgery, receiving treatment from their illnesses. Be to them all that they need and to those who care for them in their daily lives. All these prayers, gracious God, we offer in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray with confidence and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.
18th century in both sides of the Atlantic was a period of spiritual awakening. We call it the Great Awakening or the Evangelical Revival. It was also a time when hymns became much more frequent and common. And amongst the leaders of the Evangelical Awakening in Great Britain anyway, was the writer of the hymn, Rock of Ages. He was, along with John and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, one of the leaders of that movement in Great Britain, especially in England. He died at an early age. He was only 38 years of age. And yet Julian, an hymnologist of the 19th century, declared the hymn Rock of Ages one of the best known of all the English hymns. Sadly, as Dr. Banks has reminded us this morning, we discovered not in our current hymnal. It's a hymn that speaks much about personal experience. Personal experience in coming to know God, personal experience of knowing the grace and the love of God to sustain us in the midst of the trials and troubles of life, and personal experience as we look forward to the future. A hymn that speaks of the sure and certain hope that we have as the people of God. Now, there are many passages of the Bible that we could have looked at and read this morning to help us to understand what the hymn is trying to suggest to us, get across to us in terms of its message. And the two that I've chosen were Romans chapter 5 and also Psalm 61. Psalm 61 is a, a wonderful hymn, Psalm, of describing the people of God in distress when they are not coping. The first couple of verses speaks about when my heart is faint. And at times when your heart is faint, the psalmist said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The whole psalm, which encapsulates the message of many other aspects of scripture, brings us to an awareness that simultaneously as long as we are bringing as as we are bringing our prayers and our praises into the presence of God we discover that although there are times we wonder where God is in the midst of all that is happening to us we can turn to him and know his comfort and present with us in our lives like many of the psalms the author is aware of many situations that threaten his faith that would make him sometimes give up but to whatever he faces, he knows that God is a rock of refuge for him. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And then he goes on, for you have been my refuge and you are a strong tower against the foe. That latter part of the psalm picks up a theme in other parts of scripture such as Proverbs. God is a refuge and a tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. There's a whole variety of different images that the psalmist is trying to convey to us to help us to understand that whatever situation we find ourselves in, we run to God. We find in God the source of our hope and an alleviation of our sense of fear and of trouble. One of the greatest aspects that this hymn in particular seeks to deal with is a sense of coming to know God as one who loves you, as one who accepts you, despite all that you are and all that you feel in terms of your failure. One of the stanzas of the hymn puts it this way, could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All could never sin erase. Thou must save and save by grace. Nothing in my hand I bring, Simply to thy cross I cling. Top lead is picking up on a theme of the evangelical awakening, a theme that goes back even further in the history of the church, in particular to the 16th century, 500 years ago, when Martin Luther focused on the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5, which we also read this morning. Part of the Protestant Reformation, a huge intellectual, political, cultural upheaval in Europe, but also one of spiritual awakening. It was primarily about religion, about how in the midst of, of life, 
sensing our, our need, sensing our failure, aware of our sin, how do we come to know God? How do we know that God is gracious and merciful towards us? Martin Luther was an Augustinian monk, a priest, a scholar. But despite all that, he lived his life in fear and in trembling. Like most of the people of his age, he believed that the deck was stacked against him. Life was short and brutal, and above all and beyond all, there was what Luther felt was a stern, judgmental God. And at the end of life, there was only going to be judgment. He tried his best to alleviate this sense of fear and trepidation. He fasted, he prayed, he went on pilgrimage. It's a famous occasion when he went to Rome and he was so excited to go to Rome. And he, he climbed the, the long staircase of the Scala Sancta on his knees, hoping that he might find a sense of peace because surely he had done enough for God to turn from being angry to being gracious. But it was when he was back in his monk's cell, preparing a series of lectures on Paul's letter to the church to Rome, when he suddenly became aware of what the message of the good news of God's love was actually all about. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we have obtained access to grace we have obtained access to grace. Luther said that the truth in all its fullness burst in upon him and the gates of paradise seemed to fling open. He discovered that you don't have to do anything to persuade God to be gracious to you. You don't have to and you cannot find the grace of God through attending church, going to confession, fasting and tithing. God is already gracious. You don't have to persuade him to be loving. You have just to discover that this has been the attitude of God towards you all along. And that is why he sent his one and only son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So Luther began to realize that people don't need to live in fear. People don't need to dread the end of life. Instead, you can live at peace with God in gratitude and joy, confidence and hope. And that's what Top Lady is trying to get across within this, this hymn. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. But it's more than that. It's to discover that in the midst of life, knowing the love of God, knowing that God has accepted us, still we face trials and difficulties. Who do we turn to when everything seems to be collapsing within us and around us. Lead me to the rock, says the psalmist, that is higher than I. In a couple of weeks' time, my wife and I will be back in Edinburgh. I'm counting down the days. It's a great city. It's where my daughters live, where my grandchildren are. At the center of Edinburgh is Edinburgh Castle. You can't miss it. Whether you're coming from the north, the south, the east, or the west, you see it towering above the city. Castle Rock was formed, they say, from a volcano that erupted about 340 million years ago. I have to take that and trust I was not old enough to see it. Castle Rock has been a military base, a royal residence for centuries, and upon it, Edinburgh Castle was built in the 12th century. It's solid, secure, steadfast. It's not going anywhere. What hope do we have that in the midst of the trials and difficulties of, of our life, when we sometimes say with the psalmist, my heart is fainting, my heart is weak, who do we turn to? Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. I love that phrase of the psalmist, the rock that is higher than I. The Hebrew root of the word higher is used in another passage of scripture 
to speak of God's sovereignty, that God is above, that God is overseeing, that God is a providential God, that God who sees beyond the minutiae of our life to the big picture, that God is the one who is higher, the one to whom we can turn in the midst of our life. And the fourth stanza of our hymn puts it this way, helpless look to thee for grace. We're helpless. We're looking to the rock that is higher than I for grace. These metaphors, both in the hymn and also in the scripture, put, in put us in touch with a, with a presence and a power that is beyond ourselves. To experience a source of reality and security beyond our own achievement and potential. That source is God. But it's significant, I think, that in Psalm 61, the, uh, the experience of discovering God is found within God's sanctuary. It is where the people of God are going to, to meet with God in the, the regular rhythm of worship that we are reminded Sunday by Sunday of the presence of God, that God is the one who is able to meet us in our need. The psalm kind of stands in contrast to our secular view of life, to a view that says, well, I, I can make it on my own. I'm self-sufficient. I'm individualistic. Human potential and achievement is all that I need to, to achieve within my life. The psalmist says, no, my heart is faint. And in our materialistic ways, in all the achievements that we have made, we are strangely more anxious and on the brink of despair than perhaps we have ever been. Helpless, look to thee for grace. God is the God who in this psalm who in scripture and in this hymn is trying to remind us that he gives us a sense of peace for the failure of the past, a sense of his presence with us in the present, and a sense of hope as we look forward to the future. And so while I draw this fleeting breath, why my eyes shall close in death. It's a solemn sort of thought, isn't it? But you know, the Christian life is a life of faith and love and hope. Hope that isn't just about the future beyond this life. It's about the future in this life, but it must include the future beyond this life. It's not just pie in the sky when you die, but it does give confidence and assurance about eternity. I haven't conducted a funeral for many years since I left Scotland. But when I did, I always stressed, even as a Baptist, the, the words of the Book of Common Prayer, in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection of the dead. And it's that hope that the final stanza of Top Lady's hymn directs us to. While I draw this fleeting breath, while my eyes shall close in death, while I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you that that is what you, we have discovered you to be, gracious. You're not a God who has turned from being angry to being gracious. You have always been gracious. And we thank you for that. Help us to live in the good of it, to never take it for granted, and to offer you our worship and our praise as we trust in you all the days of our life. Amen. We close with a, another hymn that is similar in its theme to Augustus Top Lady's hymn. This one, 590, my hope is built on nothing less.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we come into your presence this morning with hearts full of gratitude for the many blessings that you've given us, that you are giving, and that you will continue to give us as your children. On this Father's Day, we are particularly thankful for our fathers and for families and the relationships we enjoy as sons and daughters, fathers, grandfathers, and great-grandfathers. Continue to guide and direct us in the ways to nurture and cement our families together. As in ages past, continue to be our rock, to give us enduring refuge, protection, and hope during these times of trouble and uncertainties as we experience today. In response to your unfailing love and gratitude, we give to you our tithes and offerings, talents, and our very selves as living sacrifices. Use these offerings and use us in the mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to ease suffering in this community, this country, and this world. In the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Lord, with gratitude to you, we offer these, our tithes and offerings. May they be used in the extension of your kingdom here and throughout the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Please be seated. Let me add my late welcome to you to the service this morning. We have a reception as we do every, every Sunday in the narthex, some lemonade and some cookies. They're always popular, not just with the children, but with adults as well. And so it's an opportunity just to mingle and to speak with one another before we leave church this morning. This week, uh, various events. Let me remind the deacons that there is a deacons meeting tomorrow evening at six o'clock. And then on Wednesday, we have a, a church supper. It's a salad bar this week, so I'm looking forward to that very much um, at 5.30. And then our Bible study, which will not be in Luke's gospel. We did that last Wednesday. We'll be looking at John's gospel. And there's also a students and young professionals group study and meeting at that time as well. I was asked to make special mention of the fact that there's no men's Bible study this week. And in fact, there's no men's Bible study until the July the 12th. Can I also make mention of an event next Saturday? It's entitled Cat Cabaret. It's the art of music. It uh, features our, our own Monique uh, Gannon, but also Cheryl Simonetti, who will be part of the band accompanying. It's going to be held, and I'm going to have to, yeah, it's going to be held in Central Alabama Theater, which is in Crestline Village, and it starts at uh, 7.30 on Saturday evening, and you can get uh, tickets for that through Eventbrite. So I encourage you, if you've got something, nothing to do on, on Saturday evening, join us, uh, those of us who are going to this very special event, uh, Monique. Okay. Let me offer a final benediction. May the grace, the mercy, and the peace of God that comes from the one who is our solid rock be with us now and evermore.